The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. First, let's lower expectations, eh? (laughs) Let's just ratchet it down a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's so good to be with you. Uh, It feels like I was just here yesterday, but you were in another building, and it was two years ago. Uh, uh, For well over 10 years, I preached every Sunday, and the Sundays I I wasn't preaching, I was thinking about preaching, or grateful I wasn't preaching. And I've, uh, uh, since moving uh, to that God-forsaken land just south of here called Texas, I'm with you, I'm with you. Three years ago, I've... uh, Stepped out of preaching. Uh, I work for Abilene Christian University. And for the last year and a half, uh, I've tried to take a little bit of Sabbath from preaching uh, for the reasons that I, I've, I've found that way too much of my identity is wrapped up into it. Uh, it was hard for me to understand who I was uh, as a person of faith, as a disciple, if I wasn't preaching. And I, I found that a little problematic. So for the last year and a half, uh, I've preached three times. In fact, I didn't preach at all in 2018. And one of the commitments that I made is uh, I would no longer uh, preach at congregations that I would never myself attend, uh, which seriously limited my options, I found out. <laughs> uh, but I, I just want to say what a gift it is to be with you. Um, I, was, I was moved through worship. Uh, partly because of the connection that we've had with the Lankfords for so long, um, and partly because of the spirit that I feel among you. Uh, I'm deeply grateful to be here. This morning I had my laptop open and I was going through my sermon. It was on the last page and there was just four or five uh, lines and Bella cuddled up next to me and she goes, is that your sermon? And I said, yeah. She's like, that's all you're saying? And jokingly, I said, yeah, I said, yeah, it is. And she goes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, actually, and I began to scroll up, and she saw the pages, and as it went through, she just went, oh, no, no. You guys preach for so long. And even before I got up here, she was flipping through my notes, and she's like, there's so many. My mother, um, my mother was keen on saying, uh, don't ever pray for patience um, because the Lord will give you something to teach you patience. And I think in the same way it can be said, if you want to learn about patience, you should try to preach a sermon on patience. Uh, because I have waited patiently the last couple weeks for some sort of coherent word to come forth. And we will discover in real time together (laughs) whether the wait was worth it for any of us. I can't remember which which days worked for me in this sermon series, but Ben called and doing this stuff on the fruit of the spirits, would you be willing? I said, yeah, there's two. I can't remember what the other one was, but this is really the only week I worked out, and, and almost immediately after I said yes, I thought, this is a terrible idea. I, I am not one that would be described as a patient person. If you ask my friends or family, describe Ben, patience would not be on their list. 
Much of my childhood was spent perfecting how to open my gifts without anyone knowing that I opened them because I hated waiting. Uh, I don't like surprises. Just this week, I've been waiting on two different situations to receive updates. And every time my phone buzzes, I, I look to see if it's there and it's not. I'm hitting refresh on my email constantly over the last five days to just get a word. I don't, I don't do well with patience. But truth be told, I'm probably not a good candidate for any of the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> uh, there's other fruits I could speak of, but they don't make the list. Born of the Spirit. I, I didn't expect a laugh on that one. I was, <laughs> I was being a little serious. Uh, and I find the advice often given for patience isn't very helpful. Just be more patient. That's, that's like telling someone, don't be anxious. Oh, really, just like that? Okay, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> don't be patient. Oh, okay, great point. Now I'll be patient. And so maybe out of my own life and my own gifts and my own experience, I thought instead of trying to say a word about the fruit of the Spirit, um, today I might um, bring something to you out of a fruit I know well, and that is the fruit of impatience. And I thought as a good frame, um, we might spend a little bit of time in Psalm 31. And as an exercise for all of us in patience, uh, I am going to read the whole thing. So buckle up and just be patient. <laughs> In you, O oh Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. You hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will exult and rejoice in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have taken heed of my adversities and have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You, you have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, my soul and body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones, my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around. 
as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Halfway there. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Do not let me be put to shame, O Lord, for I call on you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go dumbfounded to Sheol. Let the lying lips be stilled that speak instantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. Oh, oh, how abundant is your goodness that you have laid up for those who fear you and accomplished for those who take refuge in you in the sight of everyone. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from human plots. You hold them safe under your shelter from contentious tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was beset as a city under siege, I had said in my alarm, I am driven far from your sight. But you heard my supplications when I cried out to you for help. Love the Lord, all you saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts haughtily. Be strong, and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. The word of the Lord. It is one of the longer lament psalms that we find in the Psalter. In it, the psalmist declares this longing to be rescued from their enemy. They profess this deep trust in God's steadfast love. They claim a spirit of righteousness in the face of unrighteousness. God is their rock and their refuge. Be gracious to me, O Lord. My eye wastes away from grief. My life is spent with sorrow my years with sighing. Lament psalms grow out of a fundamental belief, a fundamental trust that that although the world around me might be falling apart, God is faithful. Although it might seem and my experience tells me that my enemies have victory over me, at the end of the day, God gets the last word. Life wins over death. God is the ground of my being, and there is nothing that I or others can ever do to separate me from God's love. It's at the heart of lament. Jack Kennedy is a, not the politician, Jack Kennedy is a a former Jesuit uh, priest uh, who's now a spiritual director in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I recently came across uh, some of his work and He talks about uh, three destructive forces that are always vying for our attention. Grace, can we go to the the slide? Yes, it worked. The first force that he talks about uh, is speed. We have an endless need to keep moving. We're always busy. We're always going to the next thing that our lives are ordered 
by one thing after another. My hunch is, is that I'm not alone in this destructive force and its pull on my life. How many of you have ever gone through an entire conversation and walked away to realize you weren't fully present at all? Because the thing that you just left or the thing that you're going to next is so overwhelming that the person or situation right in front of you, the laundry list of our to-dos is ever-growing and we can never stop moving. Uh, Henry Nouwen talks about um, the fact that we are human beings, not human doings. Most of our life is around doing. If we're not doing, if we're not producing, if we're not making, then who are we? This is why depression rates go through the roof when people retire, especially men. Because most of the time we don't know who we are if we're not doing something. There is this pull, this destructive force of speed that's always vying for our attention. Which always leads then to the second destructive force, Jack says, which is consumerism. This isn't just about buying things. This is about our need for more, that the more we move, the more we need. We go from one thing to the next to the next. And we can't help but collect for ourselves. Eugene Peterson, in his uh, biography, Pastor, talks about as a young pastor, they had this big building project for the church, and everyone was excited, and people gave, and there was energy, and then it was finished, and people came into the building, and then slowly but surely, giving went down, and people started trickling away, and so Eugene calls a mentor and says, what do I do? And his mentor says, you need to have another building project. People have a hard time sticking around unless there's the next thing that they can acquire. So they did another building project. Speed, consumerism, they're always vying for our attention, which always leads to this, violence. The faster we move, the more likely we are to hurt ourselves and others. The more that we give in to the destructive force of consuming, the more we're likely to hurt ourselves and hurt others. My work at ACU, uh, I work with working professionals around, does our work matter? Does it matter to the world? Does it matter to God? And so I, I deal a lot with people who are um, experiencing burnout. By a show of hands among the working professionals who here has ever experienced burnout in their life. Some of you are lying, that's fine, the Lord knows. It's a perfect example of the violence that happens when we're moving at a constant speed and consuming. Burnout is the result of moving too fast, an inability to be still, and taking on too much. That finally our, our souls and our emotional well-being and our very bodies say enough is enough, and we crash, right? So Jack offers three antidotes to these three destructive forces. And he says you have to start in reverse, you have to start with the antidote of violence, which is mercy. Mercy and compassion are the only way to move towards and move through this destructive force of violence. And it always begins with one's own self. That if we fail to be merciful to our own selves, it's really, really hard to be merciful to others. The antidote to consumerism that Jack says is, and I love this, spaciousness. 
creating more space. So he recommends if you find yourself feeling crammed and you are given to both speed and consumerism, he says this, do what you love, but do it slower and with greater intentionality. Find something you love and do it with more spaciousness. Spaciousness comes out of the idea, if you were to put all of your life on a table, what would it look to remove some things, to give yourself some space, some breathing room? And finally, he says, stillness. This is learning how to be a human being. This is the gift of Sabbath. This is the gift of stopping and breathing and recognizing that we are not God. We are not the makers of the world. We are not the thing that makes this world keep spinning. God is. Stillness is saying, God, in you, my life rests. This is why this stuff matters. The heart of impatience. There is a fundamental lack of trust that we have enough. At the heart of impatience is a fundamental lack of trust that we are enough. Or to put it another way, impatience grows from a need to have more and to do more. Or to put it positively, the fruit of the spirit of patience grows from a deep trust and a deep posture of gratitude that we have all that we need right now, and we are all that we ever need to be. For when you live in a life of gratitude and contentment, that thing that you're waiting for, you can wait as long as you need to because you have all that you need right in front of you. One of my favorite phrases in the text from Psalm 31 is there in verse eight, and I'll start in verse seven. I will exalt and rejoice in your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction, you've taken heed of my adversities, and have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. This phrase appears three times in the Psalms, and I love the imagery, that God saves us and places us in a wide place We have been rescued from a life that is crammed from our addiction to speed and consumerism. We are rescued from that which we've created for ourselves and given a place where we can breathe, where we can stretch out and stand tall. I think one of the greatest enemies from which we need to be rescued is not sex or drugs or rock and roll or any of the many other moral failures that we paint as the most dangerous. I think one of the greatest enemies that stands before us is our fundamental need for whatever the next thing is. That one of the great enemies before us is our inability to be still, to be content, to be grateful for what we have right now And to actually believe in the midst of all the things around us, even if the world is falling apart, that in Christ we have all that we need. And so all the other stuff can fall away. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I've been waiting uh, very impatiently uh, for two situations to sort themselves out. And they're, they're not small. 
Um, they have significant impact on our family's life. And the, the irony was pretty thick, right? As I'm working on a, a sermon for patience. Hmm, okay, God, what is this? I wonder if, uh, so patience. So my phone would ring, and I'd open it up. Ah, dang it, I'll put it back. Okay, back to patience. I wonder what, uh, what should we say? Maybe Psalms 31 would be good. And then the, the issue would come to mind, I would go and I'd, I'd hit refresh. Right? The irony was thick. And as I dug, as I was confronted with this irony, I dug, and what I found at the root of my impatience is this distrust that God actually does hold me. This distrust that if all things do fall down around me that I'll be okay. As I dug into my impatience, what I found is this overwhelming trust and belief in myself that I can hold things together. And slowly but surely, I had to come to the belief, I had to come to the posture that no matter what happens, all will be well. I wasn't sure um, how to end this sermon. Uh, uh, probably because I didn't know how the sermon would go, and it's hard to end a sermon when you're not sure what it's going to do. And I didn't want to do what I find to be generally unhelpful, which is just to tell you to be more patient, or to get to the root of distrust and just tell you to be more trusting. But I do want to say this. If we are not creating space in our lives to breathe, if we aren't finding what Jack argues as spaciousness for a life that is hurried and crammed, we will persist in going from one thing to the next to the next, which will inevitably slowly erode our capacity to trust that all will be well. If we do not learn how to slow down and breathe and be human beings instead of human doings, we will find that our lives are slowly chipped away and the belief that we are all that we need to be and we have all that we have, need to have, will go behind us. So maybe it's five minutes of silence a day. Maybe it's five minutes to just breathe and to remind yourself who you are. Maybe it's learning to be more present and mindful. Maybe it's finding something you love and doing it a little bit slower and intentionally. But it's there in that space that we discover and rediscover a fruit of the Spirit that is patience, which has at its core a fundamental trust that God is God, we are not, and we have all that we need. Let me end with this encouragement from Psalm 31. Blessed be the Lord. For he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to us. When we were beset as a city under siege, we said in our alarm, we are driven far from your sight, O Lord. But you heard our supplications when we cried out to you for help. Love the Lord all you saints.
Love the Lord, all you saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts haughtily. Be strong, church, and let your heart take courage, all you who wait on the Lord. Let's stand and sing together.